guys welcome back to not your average bs where we talk about what everybody else is thinking i'm brendy and i'm shannon what's up you all happy monday we're very happy that you decided to press play on episode number 18 and a very happy belated mother's day to all of the moms out there we appreciate everything that you do you know brandy girl and i heavily rely on patty and carla we don't know where we would be without them so a happy mother's day to everybody out there and this week we wanted to talk about the most exciting thing that's happening in our lives right now because brandy and i just finished up our first year of grad school we are so excited and we kind of just wanted to do a little update episode for you all and talk about all of the things that we learned how we finish off and then tips perhaps for people who might want to go to grad school or continue their education so without further ado let's get into the appetizer so today's appetizer is one that is super super exciting especially with all this downtime that a lot of people have right now so this app is called libby and it's super cool honestly i'm the kind of person who loves to read i used to be like very like into reading when i was younger and now i'm very glad that this summer you know i'm I'm gonna have more time to do so so libby is a free app all you do is download it and you put in your library card information. It connects to your library and then you can download literally pretty much any ebook. So I read or I downloaded The Girl on the Train um, and I literally read that book within like 24 hours. It was so good. I, and I was also avoiding one of my assignments. It was really good though. And it's super cool. And you can download it. When you download it, you have it for, I think, two weeks and then you can extend that if you want to if there's other books on there that you want to read that but they're taken right now you might have to like be on hold so i'm on hold for like where the crawdads sing and i'm honestly pretty impatient so i might just end up buying it so you can either read books on the libby app or you can um like connect it to your kindle app and just download it like that but i just think it's a super cool way to read books um and do it from your like phone or ipad or whatever device you use and it's free um so yeah, it's just called Libby. It's super cool. If you for some reason don't have a library card, um, just go onto the website for whatever county you live in. So like for me, I would go to like the Greensboro Public Library and you can get your library card online there. Um, just make sure it's the county that you're from because you know you pay taxes and stuff to that library. So just make sure um, that's in like an order. And if you don't have a library card and you still can't get one, you can borrow mine <laughs> so you can read books. <laughs> But yeah, it's just a super cool app, and I love that I've been able to read. I just downloaded Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. He's one of my favorite authors, as some of you know, so I'm going to read that book next. And if you guys have any other recommendations, just let me know. For the library card, do you is that covered? This is like maybe a stupid question, but is your library, library card covered in like the taxes that you pay to the county that you live in? Or is that something that you would have to pay for online and then go to the Libby app? Um, no, it's completely free. It's completely free. So you just have to go sign up for your card online. I think some libraries might be starting to open back up. I'm not 100% sure. So you can go into the branch or just do it online. It's funny that you bring up where the crawdads sing because I literally just ordered that book like maybe a week and a half ago. And my 
my grandpa, mom, and grandma have all already read it within like the last like week because they said it's like amazing. So once I'm finished up with reading what I'm reading right now, I'm definitely going to use that next. Then maybe, maybe if you're lucky, I'll send it to you, Brandy girl. <laughs> all right. Well, let's hop into our trending topic for the week. So with this month being Mental Health Awareness Month, Shannon and I really want to bring someone on the podcast this month to kind of talk to you guys about mental health, any questions that you guys have. Um, So if you guys can let us know on Instagram or our Facebook group, um, what kind of topic you want this person that we bring on to talk about, if you have any suggestions for someone that you follow on social media or someone that you know about that you think would be really great to bring on, let us know. Um, So just any topics or any questions that you may have. I mean, when talking about mental health, you can talk about it from like a variety of aspects like mental health and working or mental health post-grad, things like that. So just let us know your ideas and we will definitely get someone on for this month. Yeah, I'm really excited to bring that person on because I think a lot of times, I mean, I definitely think that millennials and Gen Z people are more open to talking about things and definitely more open to the ideas such as like therapy or counseling. But I definitely think there's a ways to go with normalizing it all. So it's really important to Brandy and I that we bring people on that add value to you all. And especially this month being May and it being mental health awareness, we want to bring somebody on who is going to be able to kind of give you tips or give you insight to to, you know, handle the stressful or, you know, the joyous times of your life properly from a professional standpoint, because, you know, we can sit here all day and tell you what we do to cope with stress or cope with anxiety, but to bring a professional on to kind of give you that educated research background is really important to us. So if you all know anybody, you know, a therapist, a counselor, or somebody who specializes in mental health um, from a variety of aspects like Brendy was talking about, please, please, please let us know because we want to bring them on. We want to, you know, expose them. We want to expose mental health because we're really in the business of normalizing things that, you know, everybody is thinking about, but not everybody wants to talk about out loud, like our tagline says. So definitely hit us up on Facebook or Instagram, or if you have our numbers or email, definitely go ahead and send us a message because we really, really want to bring somebody on who's going to add a lot of value to your all's day and your all's lives. All right. Well, with the trending topic over and we're looking forward to bringing the, you know, mental health professional on, we wanted to talk about our very first year of grad school. And it kind of feels surreal that we are done with our first year. I submitted my assignment. Today we're recording on a Saturday. I submitted my final assignment this morning, Brendy did as well. And to press send, submit, whatever you did was like basically just one giant sigh of relief out of all of this, you know, COVID nonsense. It's been a very stressful past couple of months, to be perfectly honest. So we really wanted to talk about how we finished the things that we learned and ways that we could have done better, as well as provide you all some tips if you do want to go to grad school or continue your education in some form or fashion. So Brandy Girl, do you want to talk about how we finished, how we did, let them know? We're still in grad school, so that's the most important thing. Yes. So kicking us off, first of all, like Shannon said, it's literally such a great feeling. Like when I pressed submit for that final assignment, it was 
immediately like a huge weight off my shoulders. I'm so relieved. It's been, it's just been so hectic. Like this semester genuinely feels like it was three semesters in one just because we had to move <laughs> online. And it, like the best word I can use to describe it is chaotic. Like I felt like this entire ordeal was chaotic. Like moving our assignments online and our class online was chaotic. People not moving their schedules was chaotic. So I'm so glad that we're done. But most importantly, we finished at the top of our game per usual. So we finished with all A's and B's, which is super awesome. Grad school is very stressful, but making good grades is still very much attainable. So Shannon and I are super excited to head into our second year of our graduate program. Um, and we're also both working on some really cool projects um, for our capstone. So if you don't know, most master's programs do have a capstone element that you do at the end of the program. That can be a thesis, um, comprehensive exam, directed project, anything like that. So we would just want to tell you guys like a little bit about what we're doing and kind of more so what we're going to be doing in our second year, because the first year is kind of like you get all, all the like main classes out of the way. You kind of start feeling what your research interests are. And then your second, your second year in the program, you're more so like focusing on that project. <laughs> so my project is going to be a directed project. This is currently the plan, you know, depending on IRB approval and like the research that I'm able to find in the communication discipline. This may change, but this is the current plan. So my plan is to do in... Um, a study looking at social support for adolescent cancer survivors or adolescent cancer patients rather. So basically I want to create either a web page, a brochure, something like that, um, that new patients can be given when they're first diagnosed that can kind of inform them about the process that they're about to go through with their treatment and kind of provide them some support resources. Um, so social support is an idea in the communication discipline. So that's basically what I'm applying. And I would be working with an area hospital to develop this. Um, I've never talked about this on the podcast, but I'm a childhood cancer survivor. So that's kind of what spurred my interest in this project. And that will be a whole episode at a later date if you guys are interested in me talking about that. But I just thought it was a really cool idea. And doing it from an autoethnographic perspective basically means that I'm also getting to tell my story and my experience within my research. And so that, I think, helps to add a different perspective and a different lens to kind of make the research more interesting and more salient as well. Yeah, I really like that. Um, Wait, so it's kind of funny that you brought it up because you were toying around with the idea of a directed project or a thesis. So what made you go more of the directed project route? Or like, do you think you'll maybe change your mind again and go back to the thesis idea? Honestly, it's really just going to depend on like, when I am able to meet with a hospital and kind of assess their needs. And then also like the commu current communication scholarship, because the other idea I was also looking at is analyzing black maternal mortality. Um, it's a huge issue in a across the United States, but especially in several Southern states. And um, there's a, starting to be more interest and more involvement in federal legislation surrounding it. There's a Black Maternal Healthcare Caucus started by Congresswoman Adams and Congresswoman, um, can't think of her name right now, but she's from like the Midwest. So I don't know. I might research that idea too. It's just going to depend on like when I get in there, like do they actually already have like a really good website or do they have a really good brochure that they already use and like don't really need my help. So I don't know. I, we're, we're still kind of testing it out because we don't have to like have our directed project idea or thesis idea really set until like this fall semester. So I have some time to like figure it out. Yes. And another really cool thing to know about Brendy is that she actually currently, or rather, rather she just wrapped up a 
internship with Congresswoman Adams. So she got a lot of really cool experience working for her. Um, and I think it's really cool that you got to work for somebody who not only aligns, you know, with your political interests, but also was doing something and um, spearheading something that you were potentially going to do a directed project or a thesis on. So maybe you could do a whole episode even about working for, you know, um, a government official, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know how to cool. I didn't know how to word that. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about your project, Miss Shannon. Yes. So I right now, right now, that's a keyword, you know, things change a million miles a minute. I was initially, whenever I first started the program, I was looking more towards the comprehensive exam route just because I was like, I don't really know if I want to overwhelm myself with the idea of, you know, doing research and whatnot. But then the more that I thought about it, the more that I wanted to do a capstone that allowed me to kind of come out with something tangible. So I'm choosing to do a directed project for right now. Like I said, things could change, but I'm choosing to do a directed project because I want to be able to bring something to um, corporations after I graduate that I can say, hey, I spent, you know, two years coming up with this idea and then bringing it to life. And, you know, it, it will add value to your organization in some capacity. So my idea really spurred from the fact that I am obsessed with work-life satisfaction. So what makes people hate their jobs? What makes people love their jobs? The aspect of corporate social advocacy and responsibility and how that plays a role into whether or not, you know, you want to leave or you want to stay forever. So last year, I kind of was toying around with the idea of doing something in the crisis communication realm. So basically, my directed project is going to look at making sense um, of crisis for university employees. That kind of stemmed from the idea of I've worked for UNC Charlotte for almost five years now, which is insane to even think about. I worked there at the undergraduate level. Now I work at the graduate level. And then hopefully one day that will be potentially what I make my professional career out of. So I really wanted to look at the ways that universities and higher education institutions can implement certain protocols and procedures to help university employees make sense of crisis, whether that be you know, school shootings or pandemics. And I think it's something really important to look at because oftentimes, you know, we, we place so much of an emphasis on students that we forget that there are other, over 200,000 people employed in higher education across the United States. So for me, I'm not exactly sure what that will look like. It might look like a training program or some sort of protocol after the fact, looking at how to assess crisis. But I'm really excited to merge crisis communication as well as workplace satisfaction together. Um, and I'm really excited to do research and see where it can take me. Yes, Shanna, I love your research idea. I think it is going to be so valuable like in the next few years, especially as like crises are just becoming so prevalent in higher education and people really handle it different ways. And they they kind of look to like, oh, like this other school had this instance, like how, should we emulate what they do? Should we not do what they do? So I think it's going to be really valuable and kind of combining those two is going to be really cool too. And one day Shannon's definitely going to have her own consultancy firm. So if you are a college or university, please hit her up in five to 10 years once she has her PhD. Thank you. <laughs> I'm screaming. Thank you. I can always count on my Brendy for some support. <laughs> um, but it's actually been really interesting. And Brendy, obviously weigh in here. But it's been really interesting going from the perspective of I never want to touch research to the past couple of weeks now that our major assignments have been, have been due. And a lot of our major assignments are kind of 
proposals and ideas for our professors to look at to see what direction we're heading in in terms of capstones. But I've really been enjoying the last couple of weeks diving into it deeper. And I've went from this perspective of I never want to touch research to, okay, I'm ready to start. And, you know, when can I, you know, get my hands on, you know, people to talk to and surveys to send out, which is really weird because I just never thought that I would honestly be that student or be that master's student, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I definitely get what you're saying. And I think it's different too, because I also got the experience of doing research at the undergraduate level. So I was like, okay, like that was enough for me. But then like here, they're like, okay, come on, everyone. We're submitting to NCA. We're submitting to SSCA. So like get your stuff together and we're submitting. (laughs) Well, it's so funny that you say that because we're going to talk about this a little bit later for tips for people who want to go to grad school. But I think that's the biggest difference between Brandy and I in terms of grad school is that Brandy was able to come in with loads I mean I you can speak to your experience obviously but loads of undergrad research experience where for me I honestly never had that I was never really exposed to research at the undergraduate level Um, I took our research methods course online over the summer so it was kind of significantly chopped down to make sure that it fit within the five weeks but I will say that not having that exposure to research in grad school really I don't hindered is like a like a weird word to use but I almost felt like I was a little bit behind in grad school because I wasn't able to do that in undergrad and part of that is you know obviously my fault for not seeking out those opportunities but also I wish UNC Charlotte did a little bit better of a job of bringing um, people and undergraduate students into like the research realm and pushing it a little bit more because whenever you get to the graduate level that's something that they heavily push is like research 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 and I feel like if I would have done it in undergrad I would have kind of been a little bit more on the same playing field as other people in our program, like Brendy herself. But I would say too, it also depends on where you go because, you know, I went to Campbell University, which is a smaller private school. So if you're going to a smaller school, it's just easier to get those experiences, like kind of not handed to you, but like almost the opportunity presents itself easier and you don't have to seek it out as much. Mm -hmm. But then versus like, you know, if you're going to a bigger institution, you are going to have to kind of like seek it out. So it just depends on where you go too. Yeah, so I would definitely say that if you're interested in going to grad school and you're currently an undergrad now, I would definitely recommend, you know, even just like even if you're not doing your own research, just talking to your professors on like what those processes kind of look like will help you in the long run. Right. So with that being wrapped up and, you know, our future plans for our second year graduating in May 2021, hallelujah, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about our thoughts on our first year as well as what we learned. So Brandy, do you wanna kick it off for us with what you learned? Yeah, so I'll say the first thing that I learned is something that I still struggle to wrap my head around, but the first thing is that it's okay to say, I don't know. And I remember in comm theory last semester, Dr. Davis, who's one of my favorite professors, she's now my advisor, had that on her syllabus that said, it's okay to say, I don't know, like this is a, a co-learning classroom, like we're both, you're, you're all learning, like you're, it's okay to ask questions. You're not expected to know all the answers to what all this Burkean literature is saying. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I think just kind of understanding that part, like in the beginning that you're not going to have all the right answers. Like sometimes there's no such thing as a right answer, like in the communication field. So just like be open to understanding and be open to like, just being, um, honestly, I didn't really understand this reading and like that, know that that's perfectly fine. 
Um, I think for me, the first thing that I would say that I learned is to ask people to look over your stuff because it really does help you in the long run. Um, I don't know why I struggle so much with like grammar and spelling, but the amount of times that I got stupid points knocked off all because I spelt like a couple of words wrong or I didn't structure things properly. Like I didn't take English all throughout high school or an undergrad. That's kind of embarrassing. Um, but I would always send my paper over like after the first couple of grades we got in our first semester, I started sending stuff over to Brendy and she was like, all right, girl, it's time to download Grammarly because holy shit, like you need to learn how to spell. Um, so I would say that it's really helpful to send people, you know, your ideas, your papers, just to look over. Obviously, like you don't want them, you know, writing it for you. Like that's not what I'm advocating for at all, but just sending it over to make sure that because there comes a point in papers where you're writing for so long that at some points you don't even know what you're saying anymore. Or like you're, you don't even know if what you're saying makes sense. So I would always send my stuff over to Brendy just to like look over like spelling wise or idea wise or make sure that everything was like cohesive and like made a thought like make sense and so I would definitely say that I think oftentimes in whenever you get to the graduate level you think that your papers or whatever you're working on has to be a plus material the first go around and honestly that's just not the truth so I would definitely say that if you're in grad school or really if, even if you're just in the corporate world it makes sense to send over you know like your powerpoints or you know your presentations and whatnot um, over to a coworker or you know a fellow cohort student that way they can take a look over it and maybe give you some pointers on how to do better before you submit it for a grade or before you go present it to the CEO or the CFO of your company. Right. And I think it's always very helpful to just like have a second pair of eyes look over it because like you said, I mean, there've been so many times when I'll be writing something and I'm, and I'll get to the end and I'll like look over it and I'm like, does this even make sense? Like, what am I saying? Is this a good assignment? Like, did I even do it correctly? So it's definitely very helpful to like have someone to look over it just for that aspect too. Do you have anything else that you feel like you learned the first year um, or like your final thoughts on year one? I would definitely say the second most important thing that I would say for year one is that you need to go into graduate school. This is going to sound kind of funny, but like know that you are not a shining star. Like you are not the top. You are not the queen. You are not like anything. You are not above anyone in your cohort. You are all at the same level. You all got accepted into the same program. You all deserve to be there. And like, yes, you may have had like heavy involvement in undergraduate school, or you might have, you know, had research experience you might have done this or done that but like that doesn't mean anything because once you get to graduate school you guys are all at the same level and you all have the opportunity to like succeed from that level if that makes sense and I think it's just important to know like I mean some graduate schools are more competitive than others I wouldn't say like our program is super competitive by any means but like just knowing the fact that like I don't feel the need to like compete with Shannon. Like if she gets a 91 and I get a 90, I'm not like, oh my God, like Shannon, like I'm so mad or like upset by that or anything. <laughs> so just like know that everyone's at the same level. You're not above anyone and you don't need to like prove yourself in any way. So just, just keep that in mind if you do go to graduate school. And honestly, you can use that in the real world. Like you're not a shining star. Okay, sit down. <laughs> I like that. Um, I would say that my second thing and the biggest thing that I learned in this last year of grad school and something that I I wish I would have learned way sooner in academic life and just really personal life in general is that it's okay to ask for help. Um, 
there have been points in the year where I felt like I didn't belong in the program or I didn't know really quite honestly what was going on. And especially in these last like few weeks of moving online and really embracing the ambiguity of it all. I think that it's important that you have that connection with your professors and with the faculty and staff that you are able to, you know, call them and or, you know, email them and set up some sort of like office hour virtually or in person, you know, whenever we get back on campus to kind of flush through some struggles that you're having. Um, You know, if you're going through a lot, whether that be right now or in the future, know that it's okay to ask your professor for an extension. The worst thing that they can say is no. You know, you're you're the people who are teaching you, they want to see you succeed, especially at the graduate level. Um, I remember our first semester, one of our professors said, you know, undergraduate students are why we're here. They're why we're employed. But graduate students are really like, our joy there we get to interact with you all on such a personal level like we want to see you succeed and I think at times in this last year I felt like you know I didn't belong in the program or I wasn't good enough or I got very overwhelmed and I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody or I couldn't you know reach out to anybody and I really want to make it known that you know the faculty they should want to see you succeed you know whether that's up to the individual professor but in terms of asking for help like you shouldn't be afraid to send an email or send a text saying like, hey, can I please talk to you? Like I'm having some issues. And then, you know, this extends into regular regular life as well. Like there were times in the semester where, you know, I was working 40 plus hours a week and, you know, across multiple jobs and I was doing grad school and I was, you know, handling outside life stuff. Like it's okay to, you know, seek professional help when you need it. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed, I especially at the graduate level, I think people forget that they still have access on campus to things like their um, counseling center and whatnot. Like it's being paid for through your tuition and fees. So definitely utilize that. And, you know, whenever you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, it's really important to realize that you have people that care about you and um, you should be able to reach out to kind of work through whatever you're going through. Yeah, that's really good advice. So moving on to a few things, kind of looking back over the year um, into things that we think we could have done better, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, so first, I'm going to say I think I could have managed my time better. But I feel like it was honestly just a struggle because it was my first year and I didn't really know like what I was getting myself into per se. And I almost feel like the second semester was more challenging than the first semester for a variety of reasons, but also namely, you know, having to move back home in the middle of the semester, I still don't even have all my clothes, you know, I'm living off the same (laughs) two weeks of clothing, like I don't have all my stuff here, you know. So I think that, you know, managing my time better. And I feel like now that I've done it for a year, I feel like I have a good grasp on it, like how long it's really going to take me to do an assignment, you know, how long it's really going to take me to work on this one thing, or like, you know, just breaking up my time. And especially over these past couple weeks where we had almost like all of our major assignments due, I feel like I really learned well how to kind of just like manage my time in chunks, work on one thing at a time, like get the easiest thing out of the way first, or you save the easiest thing for last, however you want to do it. Um, And just managing time is really one thing that I wish I could have done better, but also I feel like I learned a lot in this first year. 
Well, I was going to add that if for those of you who don't know, I mean, Brendy mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but she came from Campbell University. So this was her first time as a student at UNC Charlotte. So on top of having to navigate what grad school, you know, looked like and how hard it was, she also had to kind of navigate being in a new city, being in a new home, like she commuted, you know, 30 plus minutes a day. So all of that, you know, I mean, I know that you say like, I wish I would have managed my time better, but I feel like I'm about to gas you up. But like, I feel like for, you know, the situation that you were in, in terms of moving to a brand new city and going to a brand new school where you only knew a handful of people, you know, you did the best that you could given the circumstances that you were under. Yeah. Thanks, Shannon. That means a lot. You know, our little shining star over here, have to give her credit. I am not a shining star. (laughs) Um, So my first thing that I definitely wish I would have done better, and I will definitely make it a point to do better next year in year two of grad school, is taking better notes. And Brendy got on my ass so many times in the semester because I would be click-clack typing away on my laptop, not even taking you know, notes that were important or, you know, I was like online shopping or something like during our breaks when I could have been, you know, sitting there writing out notes to ask questions to our professors. So I definitely think, and it's so funny because um, our grad program director or well, she'll be the former grad program director told us so many times when you handwrite your notes, you, you know, uh, you retain them so much better than on a laptop. And she was like, you know, I understand that, you know, technology today has afforded us so many opportunities and online Nate to online note taking is great, but nothing sits better than you putting a pen to paper and taking them. So I definitely think that next year I'm going to lose the laptop, not lose it. I'm still have my laptop because I need it. But I definitely think that going into classes from here on out, I'm either going to just sit there and, you know, pay attention fully, maybe ask to record on my phone or, you know, handwrite my notes because I feel like my laptop served as a big distraction this year. Um, And obviously that's no one else's fault but my own. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny that you bring that up because at Campbell, my um, advisor, one of my professors, like for all of his classes, we were not allowed to have like our laptops or phones, like to take notes, anything like that, because he would always say studies have proven that you you retain information better, like when you write it by hand. And it was kind of annoying, but like it is correct. So yeah, <laughs> definitely notes is important. And I would say my next thing is I also want like given the circumstances, I mean, I think I did good. Like I am happy with how things went, but I wish that like my schedule would have worked out better almost to like where I could have started to build better relationships with faculty members because I mean, so we basically how it works at our school is we have to like pick our advisor like by a certain date. And even though like I kind of knew who I wanted my advisor to be, like I still didn't prioritize that. And then like it was like, oh, we're about to move online. And I was like, oh, wait, like, please, like, slow down. Like, I literally need to find an advisor. So I think just like building relationships with faculty and like kind of they call it like shopping around for advisors. I didn't really get to do that. But also I kind of already knew who I wanted anyway. So like, did I really need to? But I think still, even if I didn't pick someone as my advisor, like it's still really good to have good relationships with a variety of faculty members. And because Shannon and I only take you know, three classes a semester, that's only really three professors out of the whole graduate faculty that I'm getting to interact with. So I think definitely prioritizing next year, um, getting to know some more faculty, getting to see what research they're doing, how I can help them if possible, and just, you know, making those connections. Honestly, mine kind of follows suit with that. So my second thing is really just to set up more office hours with professors or students that are in my like labs um, in the semester. We haven't gotten our teaching 
um, teaching assistant assignments yet for this semester, but I definitely think that one thing I could have done better is making, similarly to what Brandy said, those more one-on-one -on -one connections or really just setting up office hours anytime that I was confused about an assignment or I didn't know which direction to go into because I feel like, I don't know about you all, but I'm somebody who kind of gets really stressed out at the idea of, you know, emailing a professor to set up um, office hours when I'm just like, that's literally what they're there for. They have two hours of un uninterrupted time to just meet with students, you know, a couple of times a week to flush through ideas. But for me, it took a lot to like, message professors and be like, hey, like, can I come in for like 30 minutes? Like I was so afraid for no reason at all. So I really wish that that's something I would have done. And it's something that I did do it better in second semester, I would set them up and you know, anytime that I was confused or whatever. Um, so I definitely would recommend and I mean, once again, this extends into the corporate world as well, because we understand that not everybody listening to this podcast is in grad school or is even thinking about going to grad school. Anytime that you're confused about a work project or whatnot, your boss is there or should be there to lead you and to guide you and to clarify things for you. So setting up even just 30 minutes of their day, like that's literally such a small fraction. They're there to help you or they should be there to help you. And if they're not, then that's something that you probably need to bring up, you know, to like your big boss or for us, like we would bring it up to our program director. Um, so setting up those office hours just to get clarification on anything that you're confused about, because they would rather ask you, they would rather you ask them in the moment when you're having a struggle rather than do the entire thing wrong and them have to basically rip your shit apart because you didn't do it right because you didn't ask one simple question in the first place. Right. And I think also too, with like faculty relationships at the graduate level, it's just so different because, you know, in undergrad, you're going to class two or three times a week for an hour, hour and a half. So you're seeing that professor a lot more. It's probably a lot easier to just like ask them questions if you're seeing them that much. But then like at graduate school, you're only seeing them once a week. So it's a lot harder to, you know, like think of those questions that you may have or like try to build those relationships or just like go to them. But you just have to like keep in mind that's literally what they're there for. Like they're there to help you. Yes. All right. So moving on from what we've learned, which I feel like we learned so much, not only about ourselves, you know, as students and professionally, but just personally as well. So we really could do like a whole nother episode or more breakouts from what we've learned in this last year. So let us know if that's something that you want, because, you know, we only really covered like four or five things, but we really did learn so much more than we ever thought we did. But with that being said, we definitely had some tips that we wanted to leave you all about for anybody who is thinking about grad school or anybody who's about to head into their first year of grad school. So Brenda, did you want to, or do you want me to start off with the first one or? Yes. Okay. Yes, go ahead. All right. You got it. So the first point that I wanted to make is kind of, once again, Brendy's kind of mentioned it, you know, before in the episode, but be prepared to not be the best. You know, everybody got accepted into the same program. You kind of have to leave behind this notion of, okay, I was president of my sorority. I had a 4.2 GPA. I graduated cum laude. I was president of the entire world at my university. So basically, you have to realize that that life, yes, that was very formative for you to head into grad school with and everything that you accomplished in undergrad kudos, congrats to you. I'm sure you worked very hard, but you need to realize that this is kind of like starting over all, starting over again. And it's really important that you go into it with the mentality of like, yes, you are here to be the best and you are here to get your work done and you're here to accomplish a lot of great things. But at the same point, you need to realize that there are going to be 
12, 13, 14 other people beside you who probably accomplished the same things, if not more than you in undergrad. So really realizing that you all are, you're basically a team and you want to work together to, you know, yield the best results. So definitely realizing that once you enter graduate school or once you enter that next level of your education, that you're not necessarily going to be number one anymore. And that's perfectly okay. So the second tip that we have is to make time to read and read efficiently. If you think that you can go into your graduate class without not like without even looking or skimming or glancing at the readings, like that's just not acceptable. Like that's not the caliber that we set ourselves to at graduate school. And I'm sure that goes for many programs across the board. And you know, you are going to be assigned a lot of reading. You're probably going to be assigned hundreds of pages of reading per week. That does not mean you read every single word on every single page. It's learning how to read efficiently. So if you're reading like a scholarly article, you know, you want to read the abstract, obviously, so you can get an overview of what the reading's talking about. Um, Probably the introduction. If you're familiar with the literature review or just need to glance over it, you don't have to spend like a detailed time, but just like be familiar with the frames and lenses that they're going to be applying in their work. Um, The discussion, which explains how how it went, and then also the conclusion. So it's still like a good bit to read, but it's definitely not overwhelming. Um, And you can definitely easily break it up into chunks as well. And one tip that our friend Davi told us, I think we mentioned it in another episode, but if you have a Mac, you can like highlight all the text and have Siri read it to you. So if you're like us and like listening to podcasts, which I assume you do if you're listening to us, you can highlight the reading and while you're cooking or, you know, working on homework, you can just have the readings read to you, which is very valuable and something that I didn't utilize. Um, Definitely will next year though. Or you can also... um, just like highlight the text and information or like have notes if you use Adobe Reader. Or there's a lot of good apps too, um, like for if you have an iPad, like good, good, wait, what's it called? Good notes and then notability are two really good ones. Or if you just want to use like the Apple free notes app. So just make sure you're taking good notes like on those readings and breaking them up into smaller sections because it's really not as much as it seems like. Well, and I think a really cool thing to know is that, and I mean, I know I've said it a few times before in this episode already, but really all of these tips that we're giving to people um, who want to go into grad school or are currently in grad school right now can really be extended into the working world as well. Because whenever you were saying the whole, like, you know, hundreds of pages of reading, the first thing that popped into my mind was like lawyers. Lawyers have to read an insane amount of like cases. They have to be familiar with like the context of whatever they're trying to, you know, argue in court and whatnot. I know a lot of people who are either in law school or heading into law school that I feel like this could definitely be applicable to them as well, because lawyers do an insane amount of reading. um, And that extends into other career fields as well, you know, like sales and, you know, human resources, just being up to date on like current trends and whatnot. If you're not a big note taker, which is perfect, perfectly fine. Like Brendy said, well, really like Dobby said, utilizing the technology that we um, have a privilege to have in this day and age, literally just highlight shit and listen to it on your way to work and whatnot, because I don't know how, you know, the rest of everybody is, but I'm definitely somebody who retains information better whenever I'm listening to it, because I don't know what it is, but like, I hear a voice. I always set myself to like an Australian accent for some weird reason, but um, I definitely think that the whole note-taking thing can be extended into the working world as well. Definitely. 
So my next tip is to utilize people who have been through your program before. This is a big thing that not only our program pushes, but I realized just initially going into the program as well. I was fortunate enough to have a couple of friends who went through the program already and had just recently graduated. So when it came time to, you know, register or, you know, picking an advisor and whatnot, I definitely called upon the people who um, were either going through their second year of the program or people who um, had went through the program before. And a really cool thing that our program does, sorry, I'm saying the word program like 300 times, but one thing that they do is they assign you a mentor at the very beginning, which is something that I very much appreciated. Haley, shout out to you, girly. Um, she definitely helped me through not only just like, you know, the logistical side of being in the program and going through grad school, but also kind of the mental side of it as well. Whenever I was feeling overwhelmed or stressed, she was definitely somebody who I, you know, texted or called, um, you know, hung out with a lot to make sure that I was like, not just coasting through grad school, but really enjoying it and really um, enjoying my experience overall. So I would definitely say that if you're going into a grad program or you're currently in one, definitely try to reach out to people who have been in your program before because they've been through it. They understand. They can give you their, you know, I'm just trying to think, trying to give you their wisdom um, and whatnot. So definitely that's probably my biggest tip is to seek out the people who have based, who have literally been through exactly what you're going through. So our next tip is to, this is kind of what we've touched on already, but also realize that faculty and staff want you to succeed. There is literally no professor in your program or wherever you are that's like, oh, I think this person deserves like an F, like whatever. That doesn't exist. <laughs> um, at least that's been my experience. Like all the professors I've had have wanted us to succeed, like wanted us to do well in their class. And like Shannon said, if you don't understand something, literally just ask. They're not going to think you're done. They're not going to think you're weird. They're, they're just going to try and help you. So definitely utilize that because that's what they're there for. Even if it's just like an email or setting up like a 10 minute phone call, just to like talk through something with them, I found was very valuable in this semester, especially like with all the assignments we had. We had a couple like semester long papers and just talking with our professors about them and like having them kind of explain to me ideas or give me, you know, different researchers I can look into for my project has, was super, super helpful. And I wouldn't have been able to make those connections or find that information without their help. Do you want to talk about the next one? Because you personally went to a conference this past year. So I definitely feel like you have a lot more to say on this than me. Yes. So our next tip is to go to conferences. Even if you're not presenting, like take the opportunity to go. So this past fall in September, I went to CCA, which is the Carolinas Communication Association Conference. And it was my first time going to that one. It was super cool. I got to present on an organizational communication um, paper that I did with my Campbell University advisor. That was super cool. It was one of the top papers for the OrgCom um, section, which was super awesome. Okay. And very exciting. Yes, ma'am. Couldn't have done it without him. He's awesome. And uh -huh. it was just su a super great experience. And I also got to speak on a panel with um, some other members of my, or one other member of my cohort, and then a couple of our faculty members as well, which was a really great experience. So even if you're not presenting, it's still a really great opportunity to just like hear some of the work that other people are doing. And it's, it honestly like challenges you. You're like, wow, that's super fascinating. Like, 
I never thought to do that before. And it's just a really great networking opportunity. If you're an undergrad and want to go to graduate school, if you're in graduate school and are thinking about a PhD, or even if you're not, it's really great to like network with other people from other schools, see what their interests are, see what they're networking in. And this like really, I saw the importance of too at my very first conference. So I went to the SSCA, which is the Southern States Communication Association Conference, my I guess it was last April. So yeah, last April, I went to this conference. And it was it's like a very like big regional conference. Um, and it was really cool, too, because when you're on like a paper panel or presenting your paper, there's like probably four to five other people that are also presenting their papers in that section. So there were a few of us that went from Campbell. So I went to go hear not only their papers, but the other pe- papers on the panels they were associated with. And there was just some really fascinating research there. And I'm like, wow, I literally never would have thought to do this before. It was really great to see a new city because that one was in Montgomery, Alabama. So that's a really great place that's rich with like cultural history. Um, There are a lot of civil rights issues that happened there. So not only did we get to experience the conference and like I hung out with some other girls from Campbell, but like we also got, got to go to museums. We went to the Legacy Museum. There was a Parks Museum. So it's really great to just like kind of get out of your own, you know, space, like being at your university, go to academic conference, and then also kind of explore the area that you're into. I really like that. Um, we were supposed to go to SSCA this year, Brendy and I, in, wait, where was the conference at again? It was in Frisco, Texas. Okay, so we were supposed to go to Texas in April, but unfortunately, due to COVID, they actually had to cancel the conference. So I think that that's definitely something that we are going to try to do, you know, within our last um, year in our program is hit up as many conferences as possible. Because number one, if anything, it just gives you a reason and opportunity to travel. And then number two, which leads us into our very last tip is that network, 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 network in graduate school, because it is so important because you never know who you are going to be exposed to at these conferences or really just any day life walking on your university's campus. Because if somebody has a similar research interest as you or just, um, you know, similar career goals as you, you might be able to land your dream job and especially getting close with um, faculty and staff within your program. You, these are highly, highly connected people. I mean, we have Um, professors in our program who have been all over the world researching, um, you know, what they love and what they love to do. We have people who have been to Canada, Ireland, Scotland, literally everywhere in the world that you can think of. We have people in our program, faculty and staff who have went there to explore new research opportunities and they have met an abundance of people along the way, as well as just being connected to people in their everyday lives because of, you know, the work that they do. So I would say if anything, going to graduate school gives you um, kind of like a, a really strong two years or however long your program is to be become highly connected to people who really would have never been exposed to to begin with. And The reason why I say this too is because whenever I'm thinking about Brendy and what she wants to do post-grad, whether that be going into, you know, politics or going into nonprofit work, you know, we have an abundance of health comm scholars in our graduate program on the faculty and staff. And so 
you know, they might be able to connect her to somebody in the Levine Cancer Hospital in Uptown that she might not have been able to connect with on her own just because, you know, if they're going to see an email from some random graduate student, they're probably going to be like, yeah, like, I'm just going to pass this off. But if they see it from Dr. XYZ, who, you know, they've had the privilege of working with before, they're probably more likely and more inept to give Brendy that opportunity to come do her research and her work in their hospital. And that's kind of like the first thing that I was thinking of whenever I was thinking of networking. Yeah. I mean, I, I if you've listened to like more than one episode of, of this podcast, like my middle name should honestly be networking because I literally <laughs> networking blew it, everybody. B and B. Literally call me Brendy Networking Blue It because I love networking. I think it is so important. Like I'm quick to whip out a business card. I'm Ooh. quick to take down a name. I'm connect with you on LinkedIn. And honestly, I think that's how it should be because like Shannon said, someone that you meet one time, like, or someone that, you know, is your professor for one semester may have like the opportunity to introducing you to someone that can literally like change the shape of your research, change like your career path or like help you reach your goal. So I think it's super, super important and something that definitely should be prioritized. Yes, for sure. Well, that wraps up our tips for grad school. Like we said before, we probably have a list of 100, but we really wanted to narrow it down to make this kind of short, sweet, and to the point. So moving into our tangible takeaways for the week, I think my number one thing for you all to do is write down one way that you can improve in school or in your job and work on that in this next year. Obviously, we're in crazy times right now, but if anything, it gives you a little bit more of an opportunity to sit back and kind of take count the things that you can work on and ways that you can be better because I don't know how everybody else is, but I'm always thinking of ways that I can be a better person, student, X, Y, Z. So my tangible takeaway for the week is definitely to write it down because like I said, when you write things down, you're more likely to remember them and work towards them. So, you know, write it on a sticky note and stick it to your mirror so that every day you're working a little bit harder towards that goal and you don't have to accomplish it overnight. Like, you know, what is that famous saying? I'm going to like fucking mess it up, but like, what it, I'm trying to think is something wasn't built in a day. Rome. Rome. There you go. <laughs> Sharon never knows a saying. The sky is endless, you know? <laughs> but Rome wasn't built in a day. So do a small thing each day because small, you know, small steps lead to great progress. So if you write it down and you look at it every day and figure out one way that you can make yourself better getting towards that goal, you know, you're going to be a better student or a better worker for whatever organization that you're a part of. So my tangible takeaway for this week is to challenge yourself to read a new book that is going to help you in some way. So whether I hate really the term like self-help book, you know, whatever, but honestly, like challenge yourself to read something new. There's books for literally every discipline. It can be like improving yourself, improving your relationships, um, you know, networking, improving in business business, different things like that. And as I mentioned in the appetizer, there are so many free books on the app Libby that you can download and use. So just make sure you check that out. Um, there's a ton of book on a ton of books on Amazon as well. Um, so honestly, even if you go on Google like and look up best books for postgrad or best books for someone in business, like you're gonna get a bunch of really great suggestions. So that is my tangible takeaway for you all. 
All right, you all. Well, that is a wrap on episode 18. We hope that you really enjoyed our update on how our first year of grad school went. And don't forget that May is Mental Health Awareness Month and that your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And to please let us know of anybody or anything that you want us to talk about on the mental health episode that we're going to release in the month of May. And with that being said, until next Monday, that's, that's the, the BS. BS.